0: Welcome to Raising Connections. I'm your host, Shannon Mayer. This is the program where we talk about your critters, companions, commerce, and agriculture and all of the connections between them. This morning, as always, we have a pair of interesting guests that will be joining us in each segment. In this segment, we have Carolyn Babylon. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank
1: you. You have an interesting past and a great current situation. Currently, who are you and where are you? I am presently the Executive Director at Carroll County Food Sunday, which is the largest food bank in Carroll County and in Westminster as well as Tawnytown and Eldersburg.
0: One of the things I think is so special about this particular Carroll Food Sunday bank is those folks who need food walk in, they receive food, and they can walk out
1: well, they do actually register, but there is no income test. There is no needs test. Correct. So if you're just having a bad month, you can come in and get food. There's no judgment. There's no test. You just get food. To
0: me, that makes the gift of life, the gift of the necessities, just magical. Yes. I just find that very special. (laughs) And in doing several interviews and talking with several different food banks, I found that to be very unique and special to Carroll County.
1: Oh, well, thank you. We said you had a very interesting past. Tell us a little bit about your past? Well, I've been a banker most of my career. So I was a bank examiner and a bank auditor. And then I was an auditor at Farm Credit coming back to my ag roots.
0: So you really know how to handle
1: the money and make the dollars stretch there at Carol Foods Sunday. I sure do my best. But we put them to good use toward ag as well. One reason that folks have to register is because our computer system prints them a milk voucher. We do not carry milk. Milk is heavy. Milk comes in many different flavors. But milk is an incredible protein for everybody, growing kids in particular. So we print a milk voucher for our clients. We have eight stores in Carroll County that take them. So the client can pick the store they want and they get a voucher. They can get one every week to go buy fresh milk. Admittedly, they can buy any milk they want so they can even get almond or coconut. But we are supporting ag by pushing milk.
0: I know we've talked about this beforehand, but it's another one of those things that just makes my eyes light up because I think it's special. And I hope our listeners think it's special too. The vouchers are not part of a WIC program. They're not part of a food supplement program that's government provided. The vouchers are something special and unique to Carol Foods Center.
1: Correct, because the stores take them and redeem them back with us. As a board building more on the milk vouchers, we sat down a year ago in our strategic planning and said, we're doing well. How can we continue to help even more people? Doesn't make sense to go open a new pantry location because there are locations throughout the county. What we have done is throughout the county, we have issued our milk vouchers to other pantries so that they can can be giving folks that go to them nutritious milk as well. In 2023, we gave sixty thousand dollars worth of milk vouchers to partner pantries, and overall, we redeemed a hundred and twelve thousand dollars worth of milk vouchers.
0: Okay, so as a banker, I have to stop and mm-hmm. ask this question: If you gave sixty thousand and redeemed a hundred,
1: well, that was our own. So we gave sixty thousand to our partner pantries. There we go. But then we actually issued a hundred and fifteen thousand to our own clients. But obviously, they don't all get redeemed. But as of year end, we redeemed. worth of milk vouchers. That's a lot of full bellies. It is. And it's a lot of protein for growing bones. And a good full belly can
0: make a good full mind. Yes. you're
1: supporting ag and that means milk, but does that mean local milk? Not necessarily. They can go to Wise is one of the places and Wise is great because they have many locations throughout the county. There are some of the small stores. They aren't really any of the ag stores. Now, the way we help ag, we have a second voucher program. We call it the veggie vouchers or the farmer's market vouchers. I love this one. Literally, and it starts in May when the farmer's markets open, a single person gets $10 a week, a family gets more. In veggie vouchers, those don't expire until Thanksgiving. They can accumulate them if they wish. The milk vouchers are only good for five days. We want them to go get that milk. But the vegetables, they can go today and, and buy $10 worth of something, or they can save them. And we've seen people go with a whole stack of vouchers and buy Thanksgiving that they want all fresh from the farmer's market. More often they get it through over time. But again, we don't have to transport it. We don't have to aggregate it. And they get a bigger selection than if we collected cucumbers this week and lettuce next week. So they can get whatever they want from any registered, and most of them are registered, food vendor at most of the farmers markets in Carroll County.
0: Having grown up in the 80s in the Midwest when there was a lot of farm turnover and a lot of pride in those families and a lot of the factories at the time were having trouble and middle class families found themselves really struggling with a food budget and the pride factor with maybe somebody else needs this more than I need it maybe I can make this stretch do you find the voucher program allows pride to remain intact while accepting some help to get through the tough spots
1: i think it does we'll have people come- come in and only get the vouchers even. that They don't want to take the food for that reason. They think somebody else might need it. Now, we have enough because of the wonderful support of the people in Carroll County, as well as some grant writing that we do. We have enough food for whoever needs it. But we do have people, oh no, somebody else needs it more. But they will take the veggie vouchers and then be able to get the fresh food from the farmers.
0: The Lisbon Farmers and Hunters Feed the Hungry Parade that's sponsored by the Farm Bureaus. It's the Carroll and the Howard County Farm Bureaus. Provide food both to the Carroll and Howard food banks, as well as farmers and hunters feed the hungry for the deer processing. Last year, you and I had a conversation about the deer meats. And having grown up on a farm, deer was what you ate when times got tough because that was a free protein source. That was, you know the summer sausage, but it's become a luxury item and something unique.
1: Very much so. And we have people who are excited when, we get the deer in because they feel very special. They feel like they're eating uh, better meat than usual. So
0: Interesting. Do mm-hmm. you see that going along with the organic and natural movement or do you see it just as
1: something special and unique? I think it's because it's special and unique.
0: It's been one of the questions we've debated over <laughs> our own kitchen <laughs> table fair. because that's where you have those family conversations. Mm-hmm. You're having a meal in our culture. Sharing food always gives conversation. Conversation is ideas and there you go. It makes some connections happen. The Farmers and Hunters and the Deer Processing is part of the donations from the Lisbon Great Farmers and Hunters Feed the Hungry. It also goes a little bit to our volunteer fire department because without them, we would all be in trouble because they
1: do more than just fight fires. Absolutely.
0: With all of this going on, What do you see the biggest challenge coming for 2024 at Carol Food Sunday?
1: I'm going to be very curious. We increased more than 50 households each month since June. So our household count has gone up. And like I said, every month since June and volume increased November and December were very, very busy. So I don't know if that was because of holiday times or because of the economy and other times. So I'm going to be real interested this first quarter of 2024. to see what the turnout is, what the demand and the need are.
0: Being out in the community and talking with some of our small business owners around Carroll and Frederick County and Howard County, one of the comments I get is, I would love to give folks a job. We need workers in our businesses and folks need food and food and jobs and money all goes together. And now that we're in 2024, I know this isn't a food bank question, but you can handle it. (laughs) It's that banking background. Now with the minimum wage becoming a living wage in the state of Maryland. And that's light of tongue happening. So we've gone from a $13 range to a $15 range per hour. Do you see that making an impact on Carol Food Sunday? So let me break it into two questions. That was a long wordy one. <laughs> do you think that the $15 an hour minimum wage will help with food insufficiencies? And do you see the increased number of jobs and lack of workers to fill those jobs making a difference?
1: If the 15 actually happens and people get jobs that have enough hours to substantially increase their wage, I think that should lower demand on the food pantry. Although I always urge people to use us a little longer than they think they need us so that they can build some reserves and some savings if they've actually gotten a job. But, you know, a lot of people still are underemployed and is that by their own volition or by the times? One never knows. So I think it's a mixed answer as well. I'm certainly, hoping it does make a difference
0: me too one of the items that we talked about in the past made me look at our world differently and one of the stories we talked about was who comes to the food pantry and one of your answers had been fixed budgets how times change costs change and the budgets that are fixed don't are you still seeing that trend
1: Yes, very much with seniors, because seniors are the typical ones with fixed budgets. Their Social Security inches up sometimes, but not a lot. Any food stamps that people could get have decreased incredibly in the past year. So those fixed budgets are a major portion of who we see come to the food pantry. The other fixed budget that we don't think about are the single parents, be it moms or dads, because they have, again, how much can you work? You have children, you have daycare, you have other costs that have to be allocated. So that becomes a challenge too. So those are the two ends of the spectrum that we think we see the most.
0: Do you ever see students come in? Yes. I've always wondered when we were in graduate school, looking back and think to myself, my heavens, we were below the poverty line and we didn't <laughs> even know that we were. And I don't know if
1: that was a blessing or a curse or a,
0: hmm.
1: And actually I work a good bit with McDaniel College. I have two fraternities up there that help out and volunteer in various ways. So at exam week, we're like, how can we thank them, and we took up some excess day-old pastries. Oh, Exam wonderful. week, have some sugar. That would be wonderful. <laughs> we loaded them up. We have found those connections are helpful, and then they do have either themselves or friends who it turns out can benefit from the food. So we have good connections with McDaniel College. Also, use them for Spanish translation of some of our documents. Oh, so I had sense. a student that did a lot of that, and then volunteered at a different pantry near us that has mostly Spanish-speaking clients. So. Again, Again, that was a good way to make a connection.
0: It's a good way to make the connections in the community. And yes. That is the basis of community. And that's what I loved about the Lisbon parade. You were here, you were sitting at the equerry. We are now sitting in the studios, the Raising Connection Studios in Lisbon. And down the front row, down Main Street, comes all the horses and the tractors and all the stuff that makes our area agricultural. The roads were filled with people. We'll put some pictures up on the social media so you can see those. It was a huge crowd. It was a huge crowd. And everybody just... So had a good time. Absolutely. It was mm-hmm. excellent to see everybody yes. come together. If you could make one wish for 2024 for the Carroll Food Sunday
1: Bank, what would it be? To become unnecessary. I love that. <laughs> but outside of that, to have continued community support to help those who need help. That's important. I have
0: one question for you before we head over to find out about Farmers and Hunters Feed the Hungry. If we come to pick up food and we've never done it before, what do we expect and how do we do it?
1: We are a Client Choice Pantry. So you come in, we need some basic identification to enter you into the computer, and then you'll get a one-on-one time with our hosts. And they'll literally go through the menu of what we have. In Westminster, it's on display right at the window. And they'll go, do you want Rice Krispies or Cheerios or Raisin Bran or Cornflakes? They'll walk through every type of item we have. And if it's a first timer, they'll go, oh, give them two of those. It depends on family size. We have one client who comes frequently who, was the last person one day and she said, I feel like I've won the lottery when I come in here. So She was walking out with bags and bags of groceries. Wow. So we carry pastas and sauces and cereals, as I mentioned, and pancakes and syrup, and then a selection of fruits, vegetables in cans, beans in cans, peanut butter, jellies. We have a base menu we try and always have. And then the donated food is what's fun because that's the things that are outside our base menu. And we always make at least some of those available, some on display that you request and some on a shelf that we just put out there.
0: So if we're donating foods, donate something special. The cake mixes with sprinkles.
1: Yes. Carol Lutheran School, on the uh, principal's birthday, everybody brings in cake and icing and they donate them to us. So we get 100 <laughs> cakes and icings that we then give out. But you also always get a choice of meats and a dozen eggs. So we always have eggs, sliced bread, and then we have other breads that, that are retail recovery. And then pastries, you can get a donut or a pie Those as are well. Those
0: some mornings. Absolutely. <laughs> Every now and then, you just have to eat some emotion, let me tell you. <laughs> yes. Carolyn, thank you for joining us. And I appreciate your work at Carol Food Sunday. If we need to find you, how do we find you?
1: Our primary location is in Westminster at 10 Distillery Drive. We're open Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We have a morning shift that starts at 10 till 11.15 and an afternoon shift from 1 till 2.15. And then we have Saturday morning hours from 9 until 11.15. We also have an Eldersburg location at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Eldersburg that's open Wednesday mornings. And then we're at Trinity Lutheran Church in Tiny Town on Thursday mornings. If we're looking to volunteer... Where do we find you? You'll find me in Westminster. But if any of those locations and times that suits you, we can match you up. I love it. We'll see you next year at the parade.
0: Absolutely. There's one piece we have to put in here. Oh my gosh, we almost forgot this. The Lisbon Parade. The great Lisbon Parade Farmers and Hunters Feed the Hungry. Everybody brings stuff and we have been set out to collect all those specialty items. How much food did we collect this year? Well,
1: we got half of it. We got, we got approximately half of it and we had one. 1,152 pounds of food. That's a lot of food if you figure that one person walks out with 20 or 25 pounds of food. So that goes a long way. So we thank everyone that helped participate in it.
0: The observers, the participants, the horses, everybody behind the scenes, everywhere making it happen. Yes!
1: Yes, it was wonderful. Happy New Year. And to you
0: as well. And If you have any questions, give us a holler at hello at RaisingConnections.com. Join me, Raishan Mayer from Mariah Belmander Kennel, for our new adventure, Living Life Tails Up podcast, combining everyday life with what goes on at the kennel and farm, a bit of humor, some ideas, and some positive happy bubbles. We're living tails up, nose down, and staying on track. We hope to see you on Living Life Tails Up for five to 10 minutes worth of happy, happy bubbles shooting out there in the atmosphere. See you soon. Good morning, welcome back to Raising Connections. I'm Rae Shanmayer. This morning we're talking with Josh Wilson from Farmers and Hunters Feed the Hungry. When we left, you were telling us an amazing story about how Farmers and Hunters Feed the Hungry got started and your dad's involvement and how it grew through the state of
2: Maryland. Yes, that's right. Uh, you know, it really, I would say, grew unexpectedly uh, as the uh, folks at DNR took a look at what he was doing in Washington County and how it was running and how it was based on a Virginia program that had been successful for, for a few years Prior, they basically said, "Hey, could you maybe adapt what we've got? We've got a list of butchers across the state from an older program. It needs kind of an infusion of some new direction. If we just kind of merge that in with what you're doing, could you take this across the rest of the state?" So he did, and it really took off here in Maryland, and then we started seeing people from other states interested in it. So for the past 20 couple years, we we grew to a point where we had around 100, 100 plus volunteers in 20 couple states.
0: The way I became aware of Farmers and Hunters Feed the Hungry is through the Lisbon Farmers and Hunters Feed the Hungry Parade, where they dress up the horses in December, and they make the floats and the tractors and the horses, but they mm-hmm. raise money, and that was one of the fundraisers for the Carroll Food Bank, the Howard County Food Bank. Food Bank, the Lisbon Fire Hall, and then the Farmers and Hunters Feed the Hungry. (laughs) One of the things that I thought was interesting is so many people knew about the program and they would earmark their donations for FHFH. And in doing this and interviewing some folks and talking about food banks, one of the things that was listed on a comment that I just thought was inspiring was one of the recipients in Carol Frederick Howard County had written in their reviews that when they received the deer meat, they found that it was exotic and they felt like it was something on HGTV that they were doing. Mm, Wow. I thought, what a way not only to give someone a meal, but also to raise their self-esteem, to give them that, wow, this is something neat and good. And just Mm. for someone in the new generation, someone who is having concerns with food stability, having that, wow, I'm getting to do something that's exotic and cool and different just warms my heart.
2: That's powerful. And and just hearing you describe that makes me Think and, and remember, in the early days, people would ask Dad, well, do people even like deer meat? And he would say, well, you have to remember that in previous generations, venison was the food of lords and kings in Correct. Europe in other parts of the world. And and here, sure, we're into beef and pork and so forth, but it's a good, high-quality meat. And sure, you know, people may not be experienced with it, but once they get the opportunity, uh, a lot of people really like it.
0: And what we're understanding is the food banks and some of the folks involved with the food banks have gone and put recipes together so folks understand how to use it. Because one of the concerns was, how do I use deer meat? Which is legitimate, because not everybody has made it the first time more there's that stigma about, is, does it taste different? Is it taste like chicken? Mm-hmm. How do you use this? And so putting the recipes together with it really has made a difference. And I just think that's a very, to hear the end user go, yeah, this is kind of cool and different. Tonight we're having something special.
2: Yep, exactly.
0: So that was really touching for me. The program has been going now for how
2: many years? Well, uh, we can date it back to 1997.
0: What sort of needs does the program have? Because 20 to 25 years, that's almost a life cycle for someone working. How's your volunteers
2: looking? Well, that is a concern. Yeah, we we have a lot of people that have been dedicated to it for a long time. And one of the concerns is as a person reaches kind of the end of that cycle, whether it's due to uh, age or a change in interests or they move somewhere else, how will it continue? Do they have other people that they're working with as a team that will continue it or have they identified the next person that will coordinate things when they move on? And so we've seen some of that, even here in Maryland, with a growth of a pretty good volunteer base where we had almost a, a contact or representative in most counties, uh, down to now where we just have kind of a handful of people. And for a while, it, it didn't impact us in much of a negative way. We had a period of Tremendous growth starting about 15 or so years ago where we had funding that actually came from the state of Maryland in the form of a, a large grant that came through DNR. We also had grants from two of the farming groups in the state, a soybean board and a grain producers group combined. That funding meant that along with what we were raising through our our local efforts and our volunteers, kind of grassroots fundraising, we had enough funding to do every deer that could be dropped off at any butcher participating across the state. So we reached a high point where we were, I think we were up to three, 4,000 deer being donated in a season across Maryland alone. Now that number with those grants, we talk about a moment ago, we talked about kind of a life cycle. Grants have cycles and absolutely. Funding has cycled, so we no longer have a grant from the state of Maryland or any of the uh, the farming groups. So we're basically down to the grassroots side of it, where what we can secure from you know mailing out to our contact list some events that are done, like the parade that you described there in Howard County. We have some events around the state that have been good supporters for a number of years now, but that's pretty much where the funding's coming from. So it comes back down to volunteers and contacts willing to share the program with the people with our communities, the businesses, churches, uh, community foundations, all those kinds of sources to see what kind of support we can get. But where we stand right now is the last couple of years, we've had right around a thousand deer donated across the state. So that's a pretty significant drop off when you were up to three or four thousand deer and all that meat going to local agencies and food banks. And now you're talking about being maybe at 25% of that high point. So what we really need to turn our attention to is making contact with people that would like to be involved. And we used to think of that in terms of, you know, we need a coordinator. And for us, a coordinator is the person that kind of handles everything in that county or that community from partnering with the butchers to getting them connected to the food banks, to raising the money, to promoting it, and so on. That's a lot to to ask of somebody, especially in today's culture, and we're all busy. So just in the last year or two, we started thinking more in terms of, you know, even if somebody could just help with connecting with butcher shops in their county, and that's it. Or it might be someone who has connections or maybe has written grants before and looks at it and says, well, if I became a contact... I could help write grants uh, with our community foundations in the county or someone who's good with events or just somebody who's good at telling everybody they meet about something that they think is important and sharing literature or what, whatever it might be. Some people have a huge following on social media, lots of friends and lots of people that they email with regularly and communicate with socially. So, of course, in today's world, you've got all the tools and things that people could use to share an organization or a mission in all those different venues use. So really thinking of it more in terms of if somebody's interested, hey, contact us and let's talk about what you might be able to do. And depending on your availability, your time, the connections you have, maybe we can find the right fit that would be also a fit in your schedule. So the
0: food banks are well aware of you and they take donations or an input from you. Where would we find you if we wanted to become a coordinator or more involved?
2: Well, you know, we have our, our website, fhfh org. We're also on Facebook at Feeding the Hungry. Basically, just come to that website, and there's all the information there, whether you're interested in donating a deer, contributing financially, or volunteering, or if you're unsure, you can just contact us. And that information is all there on the website, to FHFH.org.
0: I appreciate you coming on and talking about the program. What a really good way to use what we have, make it go a little bit further from humble beginnings forward. And FHFH sure, is the place yep. for us to go find more
2: Yep, FHFH.org. And I gave you the wrong Facebook address. Uh Their name on Facebook is actually Hunt Down Hunger. But if somebody goes to the website, you'll be able to find any of it.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for joining us this morning, Josh. And thank you for taking your time and listening. For all of our listeners out there, if you have any questions, you're welcome to contact Josh or you can send something to hello at RaisingConnections.com. We'll see you here with more Critters, Companions, Commerce, and Agriculture. This program is a production of Raising Connections Media Company,
1: hosted and produced by Rashan Mayer and edited and mixed by Robin Temple. For more information about our programs, visit RaisingConnections.com.